Welcome to High Cheese. It's Saturday, May 13th, 2023. And my apologies for not having an episode last night, but uh, my wife and I are taking care of our dog. Uh, Jaja is 17 years old. She's a big dog. And, uh, you know, at her peak, she was over 100 pounds, and she's down to about 80 pounds. And uh, she doesn't have much more time left with us. So my wife and I are trying to make her as comfortable as possible and doing everything that we can for her in her final days. And it's a 24-7 operation for us, and we're just trying to make her as comfortable as possible. So, uh, you know, I just want to let you know over the next, you know, month, maybe even longer, that uh, I may not have episodes on every Friday. I may skip one. I may come out with one uh, a, uh, a day or two later, but... I just want to let you know this is this is why uh, I'm doing this. So, you know, Jaja's a good dog. Uh, she's half American Bulldog, half Husky. Uh, she's an alpha female. So we got to be very careful with uh, pain with her because alpha females don't like to show pain. So we're very in tune with it. She's on a lot of medication. Um, you know, we're up every night with her. We're... Uh, helping her walk. She can't walk anymore on her own. So uh, that's where we are. I'll I'll try to keep you updated, but uh, um, we're just trying to do everything we can for our dog that's been with us for almost 17 years, and it's it's a member of the family. And uh, and I'll keep you updated. You know, uh, she wants to keep going. We're going to stick with her as long as she keeps going, Um, but we just don't know how much longer she wants to keep going. Uh, so with that said, let's go to uh, Title 42, finally expired, and it's a mess at the border. You know, every, a lot of people say, oh, you don't have a country if you don't have a border, and you, you don't. And I'm not saying these immigrants that are coming through the border and want to come to the United States are bad people. They're just looking for a better life. And I'm just generalizing here because we've all heard stories about illegal immigrants that have killed Americans, that cause crime. And just like in any group, there are good and bad. And that's what the proper immigration process vets. We vet the good immigrant from the bad immigrant, but we don't have that right now. And we've all heard stories about the Mario boat lift in 1980, where Fidel opened up his prisons and sent the inmates to the United States. And quite frankly, I'm sure there's leaders of countries that are doing this right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Venezuela is doing it. But that's my point. But they have to come through legally because you have chaos. You don't have a country when you have no border and you have chaos. So again, these people, they want a better life and they're coming to the United States to get that better life. But what they're doing wrong is they're coming here illegally. And they've got to get in line just like everyone else and come to this country legally. But because of Biden's border policy, we've had an open border since he came into office. And one of the first things he did is he did away with the stay in Mexico policy that Donald Trump had put in place. And Donald Trump also put in place Title 42. It's the result of the pandemic. And now that the pandemic's over, we can't send back certain people because of the pandemic. So it expired. 
And what does the Biden administration do? They sent out an internal memo that says that oh, all the people that are in there right now in all our facilities, all of these um, immigrants that are sitting in our facilities right now, let them loose. Let them go. No court date. No way of following up on where these people are. Just let them go. And what happened is a judge came in, I think from Florida, and said, no, you can't do that. You've got to give them a court date. And before I forget, some of the, I'm hearing rumors that the court dates that they are giving some of these immigrants is 10 years from now. That's out of control. Immigration should be quick. Turnaround should be quick. It shouldn't be 10 years before their court date comes up. And the interesting thing is that the judge mentioned in his ruling, well, the judge said that, hey, Biden administration, you knew this chaos was coming. You've known this for years and you did nothing about it. And this is a self-inflicted emergency, which quite frankly, I think it's been by design. You've got these organizations, these people in government with an agenda, they just want to swamp the United States with an open border and swamp them with, it just overwhelms our system. It overwhelms our economy. It overwhelms people that are working here. These immigrants that are coming in are affecting the wages of the legal immigrants that are here because it dilutes the labor pool. And I mentioned in past episode, the Chamber of Commerce is all on board with something like this. People inside the Biden administration, people in, in these international organizations, they're all on board with these open borders. And let me take a step back. Most of these immigrants that are coming here, they want a good life, but there are people that have bad intent. That includes the drug dealers, the slave traffickers, and you can't control them. You can't keep the drugs out of this country. You can't keep human trafficking from this country without a border. But again, this is by design. And what they do is they'll put not the brightest guy in charge of it, Mayorkas. He's playing the fool for these people. And this is the way they work. You put people in key positions in government, not so bright, not really good at what they do. Well, look, look at Biden. But in this case, it's Mayorkas. You got the fool playing to the United States with Mayorkas. And that's how they want it. You look at the guy, you know, the, the, all of his interviews, is he, he's the deer in the headline. Really doesn't, oh, the border's safe, the border's closed, which is an outright lie. Now, in his mind, he may be too dumb to even understand the concept of an open border. And you think about it, all this time that he knew about this, he did nothing. They did nothing. The Customs and Immigration Agents Union came out and said, yeah, because of the Biden administration that this crisis was created. It's because of Mayorkas that this crisis was created. And people are suffering. I think eight, 900 people died so far under the Biden administration trying to make their trek here. It's shameful. But Mayorkas couldn't care less. I think there was one congressional hearing he had. They asked him. Well, how many people died coming here? I, I don't know. You know why he doesn't know? He doesn't care. But with that said, let me go to a clip. I think uh, Ted Cruz was down at the border a couple of days ago. And he really exemplifies the outrage 
that American people have. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. We are witnessing an absolute travesty unfolding on our southern border. On Monday, we apprehended over 10,000 people on the border, the highest level in history. On Tuesday, we apprehended over 10,000 people on the border, again, the highest level in history. There are right now, when we're standing, more than 22,000 people camped just south of the border, getting ready to come across. Just in this location, in less than a month, we've had over 35,000 Venezuelans cross illegally just right here, not counting the whole rest of the border. Every day, just right here, they're encountering, encountering 90 to 100 Chinese nationals. Now, for anyone that doesn't have their globe nearby, China is not immediately to the south of the United States. But 90 to 100 a day are crossing illegally on this border, being smuggled in by Mexican drug cartels. And, and I have to say I am angry because this is deliberate. This is a decision that was made by President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and congressional Democrats to open up the border to what is nothing less than an invasion. Ask yourself, why is President Biden not here? Why is Kamala Harris not here? Why is Elizabeth Warren not here? Why is AOC, she still owns the white pantsuit, why is she not here with her head buried in her hands? Because they don't give a damn about the dead bodies. Six weeks ago, I asked Secretary Mayorkas how many migrants died in the past year crossing illegally. He said, I don't know. The number is 853. But he can't be bothered to worry about that. I asked him how many women have been sexually assaulted in the last year by human traffickers. He said, I don't know because the administration can't be bothered by that. I asked how many children have been physically and sexually assaulted. Again, I don't know. We're witnessing modern day slavery. And maddeningly, what the Biden administration has decided is they want more. Title 42 is expiring today, and you know what happens tomorrow? Those numbers go up. This isn't an invasion, and they want the numbers to go up. Let me say to the men and women from the, from the Border Patrol who are heroes, they are extraordinary heroes, and we're down here to tell them thank you, to tell them we love you, to tell them we got your back, even as your political superiors are making it impossible for you to do your job. The Biden administration is really proud now that they have apps on their phone. That when someone crosses illegally, they can fill out an application in two minutes. This is the Amazon version of illegal immigration. They're going to make it fast and deliver them anywhere in the country. We've seen six and a half million people cross illegally since Joe Biden became president. And the administration wants six and a half million to be 10 million, to be 12 million, to be 15 million, to be 20 million. And the body bags that pile up, they can't be bothered to worry about. I'll tell you. Now, I've heard varying numbers of the number of illegal immigrants that have come into this country since Biden took over. Now, Cruz uses 6.5 million. 
That's a lot. And he projects it out 10, 15 million by the time Biden is finished. And that leads us to the question, well, what can we do? And quite frankly, until Biden gets out of there and until we have a president in Congress that that are willing to address this problem, there's not much we can do right now. But what we can do come 2024 is start cleaning up the mess. And it can be done. And you have to put elected officials in there that are willing to clean up the mess. Now, Donald Trump has said that he's willing to clean up the mess that he's going to inherit. He did it before. He's going to have to do it again. Now, I've heard that RFK Jr. has mentioned that we likely should stop all immigration until we can figure this thing out and correct this problem that we have. And quite possibly, that's something we may have to do because of the problem of the Biden administration. We've got total chaos. It's going to take time. It's going to take an iron will, but Donald Trump has it. Because what's going to happen is the mainstream media is going to come out there and they're going to show pictures of families being deported by Donald Trump. But unfortunately, it has to happen. We just can't afford it here in the United States. Why do you think these anti-American organizations, countries, are doing this? They're trying to overwhelm our system. It's not that we don't want them here. We just cannot afford it. It overwhelms our local schools. It overwhelms our health care. It overwhelms our welfare system. It undermines the wages that newly minted Americans earn. Not that we don't want you. We can't afford you. And that's the reality. And the funny thing is, is that Cruz mentions an app. Now, what the Biden administration has done is they created an app. You know, like an app, an ESPN app that you can download on your cell phone? Or a YouTube app that you download on your cell phone? Well, you can now download an immigration app that allows you to petition for asylum once you hit the border. So no reason to do it illegally. Just go fill out the app and go to the border and then we'll take it from there. You can get in. You can get in. Fill out the app. Claim asylum. We'll give you a date 10 years from now. You don't have to tell us where you are. You don't have to tell us where we can find you. And these NGOs are coaching these immigrants up along South and Central America. They're helping them fill out these apps. They're getting them cell phones. And one of these biggest, one of the biggest NGOs is the Catholic Charities. They're helping pushing these immigrants up north, getting them killed, getting kids raped. But these organizations like Catholic Charities, the UN, they're all coaching these immigrants coming up from the south. This is what you say. This is how you fill out the app. And then the Biden administration say, oh, they're all legal now. No, they're not all legal. Because many of them do not show up for their court date. And the court date is to determine whether they are actually legitimate asylum seekers. So next time you go to church, ask your priest what he feels about the Catholic charities pushing these illegal immigrants into our country. And statistically, 90% of these asylum seekers wind up being illegal because they don't show up for the court date. But you ask your priest, what do you feel about Catholic charities helping people into the United States that will result in them eventually becoming illegal immigrants? 
and getting killed in the process and getting raped in the process. Ask your priest what he feels about that. I forgot where I heard the story. Someone was saying they did uh, address a priest about this, and the priest says, well, a good Christian should open their arms up to these immigrants, these poor people. Yeah, but Mr. Priest, they're hurting your flock. Your membership, their wages are going down because illegal immigration dilutes the wages that they make. Occasionally, sometimes you get a murderer that gets in here or a rapist. And why don't you pay for a Catholic church? Why don't you bring them to the Vatican? Open up the Vatican to some illegals, to new immigrants. Oh, they won't do that. Catholic church is one of the richest institutions in the world, and they're making us pay for it. And again, I've got nothing against the people coming here for a better life. But the open border policy and the chaos is not good for our country. And ultimately, it won't be good for them because they're going to come into a country that will eventually be wrecked because of this chaos. It's just so unfortunate. So we shall see. So Donald Trump had his much anticipated town hall meeting on CNN this week. And it went very well for Trump. I think the total viewers were about 3.4 million viewers. And to, just to put this into perspective, uh, uh, this is a good Tucker Carlson night. I think Tucker averaged about 3 million viewers a night. And uh, Trump won in 3.4 million viewers for CNN. And it was the top-rated show in that time slot for the cable news. And it clearly was the top viewed primetime segment for CNN. I gather to get, say it's the highest viewed primetime show on CNN this year. But here's why it's good for Trump. Trump has to appeal to the independent voters in 2024. And this town hall really showed Trump having an appeal to the independent voters. And if there's any takeaway on this, other than the meltdown from the mainstream media, is that Trump is clearly capable of taking on the problems that we have in the United States today. Borders, the economy, Ukraine. He clearly shows himself as a person who is capable of taking on the problems that we have today. So I want to play a couple of clips, and uh, let's go to the first one, then we'll come back and discuss. Your first term ended with a deadly riot at the Capitol, and you still have not publicly acknowledged the 2020 election results. Why should Americans put you back in the White House? Because uh, we did fantastically. We got 12 million more votes than we had in, uh, as you know, in 2016. Uh, I actually say we did far better in that election. Got the most uh, that anybody's ever gotten as a sitting president of the United States. Uh, I think that uh, when you look at that result and when you look at what happened during that election, uh, unless you're a very stupid person, you see what happens. A lot of the people... <laughs> A lot of the people in this audience, and maybe a couple that don't, but most people uh, understand what happened. That was a rigged election, and it's a shame that we had to go through it. It's very bad for our country. All over the world, they looked at it, and uh, they saw exactly what everyone else saw. You look, even if you just look recently, with the 51 intelligence agents, that made a 16-point difference. Uh, if you look at the but FBI... If you look at the FBI and uh, Twitter, uh, they call it Twitter files, made a big difference. If you look at Mr. President, the vote, back to what you just said there, though, it, it was not a rigged election. It was not a stolen election. 
And this was the first question right out of the bat for Trump. And with that said, I want to go to a focus group that CNN was running during the town hall meeting. And I guess the moderator of the focus group, Gary Tuckman, is just a yellow journalist. You got to see his bias with the question and how he presents it to the focus group. Now, I guess the focus group was made up of Republicans and independent Republicans. So I just want to point out two things. One is look what Tuckman is doing to bully and to try to sway this focus group by calling Trump a liar. And then look at the response that one of the uh, focus group members says. So let's play it and then we'll come back and discuss. First thing I want to ask you about, Donald Trump, we have to be blunt about it, is not a truth teller. That's the way he's always been when he was a businessman, he's been a politician. He has lied about the 2020 election, stuffed ballot boxes, it's all made up. He's lost dozens of court cases. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024? I'll ask you first, this is Jonathan Leslie, he's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think he could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 and not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Uh, how funny is this? <laughs> yeah. Tuckman tries to bully the first guy. <laughs> he starts going, oh, Trump's a liar. Shouldn't he stop about... <laughs> shouldn't... Shouldn't he stop talking about the 2020 election? And then the gentleman says, well, why doesn't the press stop talking about it? <laughs> and then it was really funny to see uh, Tuckman try to weasel his way out of it. Oh, well, you know, that was important at the time. And let's move on. So, again, I'm just pointing out the yellow journalism, the biased journalism. I think another thing that comes out of this is that people don't believe the press anymore. And they're flat out overt with it. Americans don't believe the press. They don't believe the mainstream media. They don't believe CNN. They don't believe any of these, any of these talking heads. And I think it's wonderful that the people now are just saying, hey, the heck with you. You're asking Trump to stop talking about the election. Why don't you stop talking about the election? So let's go on to the next clip. And they were breaking into the Capitol, smashing windows, injuring police officers. Why did you, why did it take you three hours to tell them to go home? I don't believe it did. Oh, let me pull it out. I have to pull it out. <laughs> On January 5th, the day before, I said, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Stay peaceful. This was the day before. And this was in the form of Twitter. Now I use Truth, Truth Social. I think it's far superior, okay? I hope everybody's on Truth. I hope everybody's on Truth. Uh, if you look January 6th, this is at two, before 2.30. I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. This is right after, as it was happening. But what happened is they took it down. I don't know why. I think they took it down because it was so good. They didn't like it being up there. <laughs> I am asking, this is, and we didn't know until I got it back, because now I have 90 million people waiting for me to go back, but I'm on truth, and I'm staying on truth. Listen, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violation. It's, we want no violation. We want no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. 
Thank you. That was at 2.30. That was very early. Mr. President, I looked at the same timeline that you did. Once no, no, it was but you clear, didn't report that. You know why? Because it was taken down. We did report down. it. I, I was reporting that It was that taken thing. down and it wasn't. But when it was. And if you watch the J6 hearing, the phony J6 hearings, they wanted everyone to believe that Trump was silent. Trump didn't say anything because he wanted the riots to happen. He wanted the riots to continue. But that's not what reality is. Reality is that Trump put out a message on Twitter and told everybody to remain peaceful. And that was at 2.30. And Twitter took it down for some reason. And the press was running with it. Oh, Trump didn't, he didn't respond to it till much later. Well, Trump actually didn't know that Twitter had taken down his message. So this is another reason why you're having the meltdown on CNN because they're being exposed as pushing a lie. So let's go to the next highlight. Thank you for coming, Mr. President. Thank you, Wayne. My, my, pres- my question to you is, will you pardon the January 6th rioters who were convicted of federal offenses? I am inclined to pardon many of them. I can't say for every single one because a couple of them, probably they got out of control. But, you know, when you look at Antifa, what they've done to... Three hours, over 140 officers were injured that day. And a person named Ashley Babbitt was killed. Yes. You know what? She was killed and she shouldn't have been killed. And that thug that killed her, there was no reason to shoot her at blank range, cold blank range, they shot her. And she was a good person. She was a patriot. There was no reason. there. There was no reason. And he went on television to brag about the fact that he killed her. That co- the officer was not bragging about the fact that he oh, killed he her, but bragging. one person who was at the... All right, the next clip I want to play has to do with Mike Pence and uh, the Electoral College Act and whether Mike Pence had the authority under the Constitution to kick back electors that were being disputed. So, you know, you remember that there was a big to-do about whether Mike Pence's vice president could kick back disputed electors back to the states to have them take another look see and everybody you spoke to on the radio on the television the uh the, the washington swamp they were saying, oh you can't do it you can't do it well you know what they did after the election i'm talking about congress they changed the electoral college act and it clearly changed the vice president's authority to kick back electors to the states so let trump explain it but the interesting thing is that is Caitlin Collins just not a really bright person or is she, she just so indoctrinated that she doesn't understand that changing the Electoral College Act, which prevents the vice president from kicking back electoral, implies that the vice president previously had the authority to do so. In what world does that not make sense? You had one law that allowed the vice president to do it. And they changed that law to explicitly say the vice president did not have the authority to do it. Well, the implication is that the old law allowed the vice president to do it. Why does that not compute in Caitlin Collins's world? Danger. Mr. President, do you feel that you owe him an apology? No, because he did something wrong. He should have put the votes back to the state legislatures, and I think we would have had a different outcome. I really do. But he doesn't have the authority to do that, as you know. What? 
the vice president does not have the authority to okay, reject are you, those. Are you ready? Let's have this results. one out just now because it's interesting. Let's keep it interesting, right? <laughs> I like Mike Pence very much. He's a very fine man. He's a very nice man. He made a mistake. His lawyer said, you cannot move. I called him the human conveyor belt. I said, even if the votes, you mean, I talked to his lawyer, even if the votes are absolutely fraudulent, he can't say, yes, sir, he can't say, but, and the Democrats played it and the rhinos played it. And then the election was over. They told him he couldn't do it. And Mike said to me, I can't do it. The lawyers told me he can't do it. They can't do it. But the lawyers were wrong because right after the election, they all met the rhinos and the Democrats, and they worked out a plan to make sure that future vice presidents don't do what I said you could do. That's not what happened. You're referring to the Electoral Count Act. That's I've exactly read right. I've read that. There is there is no authority. No, legal experts, me. including Republican legal experts, say that he does not have that authority, Mr. Caitlin, President. But I want why to did on. they change the law then saying that you can't do it? They didn't change the law, they strengthened the law because they were worried about oh, the president. They strengthened exploiting. it, meaning you could do it. <laughs> Thank that's, you. That's not what it means. Thank you. They strengthened the Mike law. Mike had they were the worried. right to do it. So according to Collins, oh, they didn't change the law. They strengthened it. In what world does strengthening a law not result in changing the original law? I don't know about that, Caitlin. Okay, let's go to a clip on Ukraine. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. But you won't say that you want Ukraine to win. You you know what I'll say? I'll say this. I want Europe to put up more money because they're in for 20 billion. We're in for 170. And they should be and they should equalize. You see how the media is just pushing for this war to continue. All of those poor Ukrainian people that have been killed and to our yellow press. It's all about we got to back Ukraine. The heck with the Ukrainian people. And Trump's the only adult in the room. His position is, I want this war to stop. I want Ukrainians, I want Russians to stop dying. What's wrong with that position? But the yellow press, no, we got to keep on putting money behind Ukraine. We got to keep this war going. We got to kill as many Ukrainians, as many Russians as we can. And Trump says, I'm not for that. Who would think today? Our press, remember the Vietnam War, press was against the Vietnam War, wanted to stop. Our press today, they want this war to continue. They want more deaths. And this is what I find shocking today. All right. Recently, Trump was found liable in civil court of sexually abusing a 60-year-old woman in Bergdorf Goodman's a number of years ago. And let's go to the clip to see Trump's explanation. Just so you understand, ready? I never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodman, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door. She was about 60 years old. And this is like 22, 23 years ago. I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman. I was immediately attracted to her. And she was immediately attracted to me. And we had this great chemistry. We're walking into a crowded department, so we had this great chemistry. And a few minutes later, we end up in a, a room, a dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman, right near the cash register. And then she found out there were locks on the door. So she said, I found one that was open. She found one. She learned this at trial. She found one that was open. 
What kind of a woman meets somebody and brings him up and within minutes you're playing hanky-panky in a dressing room, okay? <laughs> I don't know if he was, she was married then or not. John Johnson. And of course he was found liable because it was a New York jury. Now you know he's not going to get a fair trial in New York. He's not going to get a fair trial with Bragg's indictment. And before I forget, you know what? where the threshold starts for sexual abuse in New York? If you kiss somebody. So in New York, if a jury doesn't like you and you kiss somebody, well, that person can bring you to court, civil court, and sue you for sexual abuse. Go figure. Now let's go back to Gary Tuckman and his focus group. And he's going to ask a woman about her opinion on the sexual abuse case. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back. A nine-member jury found Donald Trump liable for sexual abuse. And he's continuing to mock Jean Carroll, this woman who was sexually abused, according to this jury. He also says that that was rigged. You know, this not only is a jury of his peers, he's a New Yorker. He may live in Mar-a-Lago right now, that mansion in Palm Beach, Florida, but he was born and raised in Queens, New York, wanted to make it big with his father in Manhattan, did. He's a New Yorker. This was truly a jury of his peers. How does it make you feel that he's still making fun of this woman? I'm going to ask the women that question. How does that make you feel as a woman? Um, I didn't really care. Why didn't you care? I don't know enough about the case. Um, women can be victims of abuse. Women can also make up stories. I mean, we see it all the time. So I don't know. All of these situations where people are coming out 20, 30 years later, I don't listen to it. Not the answer that Tuckman wanted. And the thing I find about Tuckman, Tuckman is that, oh, this is a jury of his peers. This is a jury of Donald Trump's peers. They all hate him in New York. He knows that he can't get a fair trial in New York. But Tuckman's, oh, a jury of his peers, jury of his peers. Again, he's trying to sway this focus group. So let's go to one last clip, and it's on the economy and inflation. My question is regarding the economy. Over the past two years, we have seen the prices for everything skyrocket. From food to gas to utilities and insurance costs, many people's bills are up several hundred dollars a month, including mine. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. And Trump went on to explain that inflation, the economy, everything that has to do inflation in this country pivots around our energy costs. And under the Biden administration, we just gave that away. We were energy independent under Donald Trump. We had driven oil prices down as low as I think around $30, $36 per gallon. I think even lower. They dropped so low. Trump had to come in and fill up the oil reserves at such a low price to prop up the price of oil. But Biden just threw that away. And it's all so simple. That's what makes Trump so appealing. It's all so simple. Reduce energy costs. Drill, baby, drill. And it's funny. CNN cut the uh, town hall short. They had a lot in 90 minutes with Donald Trump. Well, anywhere, anywhere from 75 to 90 minutes, they had allotted to Trump 
And they had cut it short at 69 minutes because Trump was doing so well. And apparently there was so much of a meltdown behind the scenes at CNN with staff, technicians, that they cut it off. So that was a victory for Trump. Now I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Oversight Committee press conference that was held, I think, on Wednesday. And they came out with a bunch of information regarding Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And what they've found so far is that the Biden family received millions and millions of dollars from foreign companies, in particular China and Romania. And the Biden family and Biden business partners had set up a number of these shell corporations, LLCs, that were essentially designed to obfuscate tracking the money. In other words, they were trying to money launder. So what would happen is that a Chinese company would wire millions of dollars to one of these Biden-held com- companies, corporations. And that person that was in charge of that corporation would distribute the money to the Biden family. And there were so many of these corporations wh- that were wired money, it just became all confusing, or at least they were attempting to confuse everybody. And what I just find shocking is that this was never picked up. I just find it really shocking that no one in the Treasury Department found these wires where it said something. Hey, guys, what's going on here? We know what was going on. They were looking the other way. So again, this is where they are so far. They found a number of companies controlled by the Biden family, They found a number of wires coming from China, Chinese companies and companies associated with the CCP flowing into bank accounts in America and then being distributed to different Biden family members. So let's go to a clip. And this is with Representative Byron Donalds from Florida. He's kind of outlines what's going on here. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Uh, First, what we're seeing here, what we're witnessing with... uh the Biden family, frankly, is just a web of concealment, of deception. A lot of people would say corruption. But let's be very clear. You have this many companies involved with this velocity of transactions, size of transactions. Like my colleagues have said, this is not how normal businesses operate. Um, I had the ability uh, with Chairman Comer and other members of the committee to go over to the Treasury building and review documents. And having read those documents, one thing is became pretty crystal clear that there were many people who had serious questions about the transactions and about the velocity of these transactions. And they either get very, very deep into concealment, hiding money, shifting money. Um, and for the purpose, we don't know, because one thing everybody in this room and the American people definitely know is that the Biden family doesn't really have a business. There is no business structure around this family except politics. And since Joe Biden has spent decades in the Senate, served eight years as vice president, and is now president of the United States, and the family's getting money from various countries and foreign businesses through various shell companies and this web of LLCs, I mean, guys, you in the press, this is easy pickings. I'm giving you Pulitzer stuff here. Like, all you have to do is literally look at our memo and see the level of detail upon which they have created this. And it's very, it's very, very frustrating. We have now been able to clearly see that 
the Biden's associates, like Rob Walker, Eric Sherman, as has been discussed, created at least 16 companies while Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. 16 companies created while he was vice president. Now the list is 20, and as we continue our investigation, that list is growing. And like I said before, the question is to serve what purpose? And the purpose of all these companies being created is to conceal money that the Biden family has been gaining because Joe Biden has been sitting at the upper echelon of our politics for almost five decades. That is the entire purpose here. Cycling through this many companies serves no legitimate purpose. And as somebody who actually worked in banking, I did that long before I came here, whenever there was like this many companies just laying all over the place and you see wire transfers and cashier checks over here going to random members of the family for no apparent purpose at the size and velocity at which all of this was being conducted, the only logical conclusion of a financial professional is you are concealing money. Let me restate this. You are concealing money from either the IRS or from credit agencies or from other people in general. That's the only reason you set up a structure like this. Now, the mainstream media is already trying to cover up for the Bidens. I think it was uh, Chuck Todd. He came out, I don't know, about two months ago when this first started. Well, what's wrong with the son of a president trying to make money? What's wrong with that? Really? At the very least, this is unethical behavior. At the worst, it's criminal. And this is the problem with the swamp. Ah, you know what? So what? Son of a president wants to make a million dollars off the name of his father. Ah, that's okay. I'm just going to tote around with my dad, fly around with him around the world on Air Force Two. Cut some business deals and leave with him. Because I'm the son of the vice president. Oh, yeah, that's that's ethical. And the vice president knew about it at the time. So this is clearly unethical behavior at the least. At the worst, this is criminal. Now, we're only in the first inning on this. This is just one of their first updates that they have given the American people on where they are. But as, as James Comer said, this is not just about Hunter. This is about Joe Biden. So we shall see. Now, let me just give you an update on... There was a whistleblower that came out and said that the FBI had documentation that said that Joe Biden was getting kickbacks while he was vice president of the United States. So Comer and Chuck Grassley sent a subpoena out to the FBI for that documentation. I think it's uh, Form 1023. It's from Apparently, it's when confidential informants supply the FBI with information. And the FBI came back and told... Comer and Grassley that, oh, go pound sand. We're not going to give it to you. And they wrote this letter with all this legal gibberish in it, meaningless. Oh, they've got to cover, you know, even though it's uh, not secret documentation, we've got to we've got to protect our confidential informants. Oh, yeah, sure. So the next step that has to happen is I think Kevin McCarthy got, is getting involved with this. He's going to sit down with Ray and see what he can do to get this thing. And ultimately what Congress can do is just cut back on funding for the FBI until they get what they want. And there's a lot of leverage there. Maybe the FBI doesn't get their new fleet of cars. Maybe the FBI doesn't get their new furniture for their facilities. Stuff that's important to these bureaucrats. So we'll see what happens.
And with that said, thank you so much for listening. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I forget, uh, John Brennan testified behind closed doors about his part in the 51 spook letter about Hunter Biden's laptop. And Jim Jordan came out afterwards and said, yeah, Brennan confirmed that this was all about politics. So there's more to this. So thanks for listening. You have a good week and I will see you next week. Thanks again.